But again, he's going to concede to Tiso, and he scores for Atletico. Well, it took a couple of tries, but Maxime Tiso has finally found the range. the end of Valor's playoff hopes. In fact, the four sides who have uh, been confirmed to be competing for the 2022 North Star Shield have been uh, officially confirmed. That is Cavalry, Pacific, and Forge. They locked up their playoff spots this weekend. They're joining, of course, Athletic Ottawa, who had previously done that in the postseason. Mitchell Tierney here alongside Charlie O'Connor-Clark. No Christian Jack this week, but we do have a good guest to make up for that. Nate Ingham of Athletic Ottawa will join us to talk, you know, soccer in the nation's capital, uh, the potential first to worst story that could be wrapped up this weekend, uh, the regular season title race, and and plenty more. But first, let's take a quick look at the weekend that was in the CPL Pacific. They wasted absolutely no time getting the weekend started, scoring just 27 seconds into a 1-0 victory over FC Edmonton. Marco Bustos scoring a header uh, for his second of the season. On Saturday then, a doubleheader Atletico Ottawa. They held on for a 2-1 win over Halifax Wanderers with Max Tissot and Zachariah Bahus scoring. Uh, Sam Salter, he had the lone goal for Halifax. He now has 11 on the season, tied with Ozazi de Rosario for second in the Golden Boot. Later that day, Forge, they booked their ticket to the 2022 playoffs with a 2-0 victory in the 905 Derby at Tim Hortons Field over York United. Uh, Maliku Labi Belawu and, of course, Abubakar Sizoko scoring for the Hammers. And finally, Sunday, the, the match we just saw um, there at the end of that highlight clip, Cavalry, they eliminated Valor from playoff contention, also clinched a playoff spot for themselves, as well as Pacific in the process. Let me tell you, doing the social media for that was wild, trying to get all those four clinch, or like two clinch graphics, like a bunch of stuff all, up all at once. But a, a meaningful, meaningful result. Joe Mason and Ali Moosey scoring in that match, while Billy Forbes had the consolation goal for Valor. Charlie? All four are set and kind of nice that all four won this weekend. I mean, obviously, you know, it wasn't like a win and you're in kind of situation for at least Pacific. Um, but, I mean, you know, they they at least uh, were all able to to enter the playoffs in, on a winning note. Yeah, if you're a team clinching a playoff spot, you always want to celebrate that on the back of three points, right? You don't want one of those ones where, like, there's a result elsewhere and you maybe get kind of a disappointing result to draw or something, but you're still celebrating it in the game because you clinch your playoff spot. All these teams are... It's also, it's also good because these four playoff teams are, you know, in theory, going into these playoffs in better form. Mm-hmm. After a lot of them maybe struggled at the end of August and early September, they're all kind of starting to round into form to play a little bit better, which bodes well for some exciting playoff matches in a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, it certainly does, not it bodes well for the, the last weekend of the season where, of course, you know, the regular season title still on the line and um, the three teams who can still do it Pacific Forge and Ottawa all of them will have reasons I mean aside from the you know monetary value obviously playing at home is is during the playoffs is massive for any of these clubs 
Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I mean, we've seen how hard it can be in the CPL to travel. This is a big country. Uh, so to go into someone else's stadium, someone else's crowd, which obviously they're, they're playoff games, so we're expecting boisterous atmospheres. Uh, every team wants to to have that advantage in those second legs. And absolutely, if you're winning a championship, you would much rather do so on home turf, right? Yeah, certainly. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's the dream for any of these clubs is um, for, for a number of different reasons on and off the field, getting that uh, final at their home stadium. So yeah. um, obviously still a lot to play for, even if, you know, the the standings themselves are uh, mostly set in terms of who is making the playoffs. But let's uh, let's start the weekend off and bring on Benedict Rhodes, who is the correspondent for the final match of this past weekend at Spruce Meadows um, between Calvary and Valor. And of course, I think the most impactful result of the weekend, obviously with the, the two on win. Um, and we mentioned, you know, what that did for Pacific and Calvary as well as eliminating Valor. Uh, Benny, your thoughts on obviously a huge match and a big performance from Calvary. Yeah, it was a very good performance from Calvary. You know, you said this, this game had huge implications, you know, it sealed the, the fate of three teams um, and, and kind of ended a, I guess a, a run from Valor where they, thought maybe they'll sort of pull off the miracle, I guess, and, and actually get into the playoffs. Start to not look as much of a miracle and, and look like a po- real possibility. And uh, I think if you're w- watching on YouTube, you see this goal right here just after halftime, you know, Valor were good in the first half, but, but weren't able to find a goal and, and went down 1-0 on, uh, on a goal that they would have liked to have prevented. And to sort of tie it up just after halftime, you thought, you know, they still have a chance they might actually pull this off. But uh, fortunately, it wasn't, it wasn't to be for Valor and, and they came close a couple of times, but weren't able to get it done and, and Calvary ended up picking up the, a pretty huge three points. Yeah. It's, it's kind of exactly the sort of game you want late in the season, right? Benny, when there's a ton on the line for both teams and other teams are keeping tabs on it because it matters to them. And then it's a close one right to the end, obviously Valor fighting for their lives towards the end and, and you know, the, the season or their season ends up being, being doomed by a wonder goal with a, again, a, Great strike from Moosey, but that cross from Roberto Alicon deserves some credit as well. And then you see at the end of the game when Tommy Wilden Jr. just lets out this scream of relief or, or jubilation, excitement. Uh, you can see how much it means to these guys to get into that spot and to to be able to compete for that playoff championship, right, Benedict? It was just like a a fun way to to have these sorts of things decided at the end of the season. Yeah, especially after last weekend's game, you know, it was Calvary versus Ottawa. You know, the winner clinches the playoff spot, and, and Ottawa came in and pretty convincingly, you know, in Calgary and, and took that spot away from them. So to be able to get a second crack at it, I guess, and 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 do it this time, you know, you heard that the stadium was maybe the loudest that stadium's ever been when, when that game ended. And, and you mentioned Tommy and and it was kind of just a, a perfect storm, I guess, for, for Calgary, who, who again also eliminated a team who was right behind them in the table as well. Yeah, we mentioned ways to to clinch playoff spots. I think that was certainly the most exciting way of all the clubs to to do it. Obviously, the draw would have been enough, but to score that emphatic goal at the end was awesome. And um, this is something that you mentioned in your analysis a little bit, Benny, and it's something that we've talked about with Calvary all season where um, we've kind of wondered if they have those difference maker players. Obviously, they're a good side. They're a very deep side, but you know, it, it's incredibly important then in these matches, especially as we're going into the big playoff matches, that you have those guys you can look to to score the big goals you need and be those, you know, game-breaking players. And at times this season, it hasn't exactly looked like they, those players are there for Cavalry. But in this game, we see Joe Mason, you know, who's who can potentially be one of those guys getting an early goal. Obviously, a bit of a lucky one from him, but he's been in good form recently. And then Ali Moosey with an absolute masterclass. How important is it for them that these players are 
you know, in such good form right now going into the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's crucially important. You know, look, last year in the playoffs, you know, I know they don't like continue mentioning this game a year later, but, you know, you have to mention last year's playoff game where they went to a little bit flat maybe and, and they ended up getting burned by Pacific in that game. And, uh, you know, they're, they're very keen not to make this mix to happen again. And, and, you know, that could potentially be a first-round matchup in, in this playoffs. And, uh, you know, having all these guys, you know, ready and, and firing and, and fit as well, you know, the only players that they're really missing are Sergio Camargo and, and Charlie Trafford will be back in time for the playoffs as well from his suspension. So everyone's kind of back at the right time and, and everyone's healthy and playing you know, pretty well. So I think that's that's exactly what you want to see for Tommy Wilden Jr. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and, you know, just for them to to maybe get a little bit back to their identity, right, Benedict? Obviously, this isn't a game where Calvary has a ton of possession. They sometimes do like to play with the ball, but in this game, they're quite direct, I think, which was entertaining to watch. Um, like, what, what exactly do you think was maybe making a difference for them, maybe clicking an attack for them in this game? Yeah, you said the directness, the sort of uh, no fear, I guess. You know, sometimes they look maybe a little bit hesitant at times over the last couple of months, but in this game, they were just going for, you know, Jose Escalante is, is you know, the key of being a, uh, being a sort of direct player. You can kind of just you know, bomb up the wing and, and make things happen. And, and Musi was doing that. Mikael Cantave was excellent in this game at doing that, uh, as you saw on, on the first goal. Uh, and, you know, they just played without, without a fear and without any kind of hesitation, which is exactly what you want to do. You want to have it all, all guns blazing, I guess, going into the playoffs. I'm glad that you mentioned Cantave, Benny, because I do think that's another player that's been a you know a bit of a difference maker for them and just has that extra bit of quality where he can beat a player or can play that pass through. Um, we saw it at the on the Moosey goal. Um, I think it was at Tim Hortons Field where he plays that chip pass through and um, he scores, uh, Moosey scores that incredible goal. And we saw it again here with the, the cross. You know, this is a player that has that quality, has played in some decent levels in Europe and has brought that to Cavalry. And we're really starting to see him click with others. So, uh, that's a player to watch, I think, for for Calvary heading into um, the postseason here. Um, and you know, postseason has been on the mind all year for for Tommy Wilden Jr. and Calvary. Let's uh, hear his thoughts after the match. Well, we set out uh, our goals at the start of the season. We had to get back into playoffs. No matter how you start the race, it's how you finish it that counts. We've topped the table and not picked up any silverware. Um, although the commissioner's just gone back and, and given us that, so let's not take away from that. We'll, we'll value that. Um, but a, a playoff championship is, is a lot, so we just had to finish above the line. We knew that we had three bites of the cherry. It didn't work last week, but we knew that we wanted to take this one and not leave it to the last game of the season. Last game of the season is an absolute bonus for where we finish in the table. Yeah, bonus. And obviously we mentioned uh, that Ali Moussi goal that... Um, got them there in a big way. Um, let's hear from the goal scorer himself. It's, it's just another game to me. I, I don't really think too much about those things. Um, you know, I have respect for that club. It was my first professional contract. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's not sweeter. It's just uh, another goal and a very important goal. And, uh, yeah, we just have a mission that we're on right now. And I don't really think too much about those things. I just think about doing what I have to do on the pitch and, making sure that we get the win. Moosey built in a transition there for me. Let's talk about his former club, Valor, who obviously, um, you know, he helped to to end their season. But, you know, this was a side where, Benny, you mentioned, like, they there was a bit there where it really looked like they were going to pull off this Cinderella run into the playoffs. I think the of the stretch where they beat Pacific and then beat Forge in back-to-back games. And, you know, they got above that playoff line. They're starting to build some security above that playoff line. And then just a single point in their next four games, um, you know, some of which that 
weren't against playoff opposition as well. What went wrong for Valor, do you think, Benny, both in this game and in, in that stretch? Because obviously, you know, they they kind of let it slip themselves. Yeah, I think like you said there, like they, they kind of let it slip. You know, they there's a lot of games this season where they were maybe leading and, and then dropped points or, or or conceded and weren't able to get quite back into it, which is, you know, the, the top teams in any league are the teams who can find ways to win and find ways to pick up results even if they go down. And I think there's one stat floating around where they haven't come from behind to win since – 2019 which is a little bit alarming and and um you know i think of the the couple games at home as well phil mentioned them himself like there's the pacific game at home where they were leading and dominating pacific after 70 minutes and then conceded twice in in two minutes and five seconds or something and 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 there goes three points against the team you're directly fighting against in a playoff race so i think at the time uh on one hand you know their other teams are playing better but at the same time they also maybe haven't been you know, clutch, I guess, at the right moments they needed to to pick up the wins. It's an interesting one to maybe look at this Valor season kind of as a whole. Obviously, Phil DeSantos' first year in charge of this team, first full year. Um, they played some really good football at times. They played some entertaining, pressing football, attacking football, and they they defended quite well at times as well. But uh, when you look at it as a whole, it's probably they probably will be disappointed, right, to, to maybe – see it as a little bit uh, too little too late uh with this sort of push towards the playoffs uh benedict i don't don't know if you kind of look at this valor season as a whole how you know happy or disappointed do you think they should end up being with this i think fairly happy you know they're they're in the conversation again you know 27th game out of 28 was the one that got them eliminated like they're in the conversation all year as they were last year as well uh so that's obviously a positive but at the same time you know a negative that they weren't able to take that next step like last year they missed by one point i think it was and and this year they just weren't quite able to, you know, find that more consistency, I guess, to get them over the line this time. So I think Phil will be happy that the and the team will be happy that you know they were in the conversation all year, but at the same time, you know, that the next step is gonna be the a much bigger step than it is to go from sixth to fifth, for example. Yeah, the one concern or or one of the concerns I think is I don't know if Rhea or Sirwa are gonna be back next year. And those are two yeah. pretty important players for them because uh, you know, I think they're the way both of those players played, especially Rhea, I think CF Mohayal are gonna be pretty keen to see what they look like in in their kits next season. So obviously there's two potential replacements you have to make. Obviously, Rhea and Yesley showed well at points this season and could be the the built-in replacement there, but um, I don't really think they have a, a player like Rhea. I don't think many clubs do in the league have a player like Rhea. So um, there's one that they're going to have to work on, but um, we mentioned, you know, uh, PDS's thoughts and and you know how things kind of went down the stretch for Valor. Let's hear um, from the Valor coach now. Not being able to uh, to secure points in 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 those away games that's what hurt us. It's not just one game. I think uh, I think that coming here is already hard enough. Uh, having to come here and and, and fight for your life. Um, you know, I, I think that it's it's you're you're playing with fire, and we've played with fire uh, in the last few games. And today, again, the mentality of the group was fantastic. I think that I I never questioned their integrity and their desire to come to places like these and and win. And I think that if we had played like we played today, with the same commitment and the same passion and um, and, and the same fight and, and games that we didn't secure points on the road, we would we wouldn't we wouldn't be in this position right now. Yeah, I think that's a, a pretty fair assessment of of how things went uh, for for Valor this season from 
Todos Santos as he usually gives us, um, which we're always appreciative of. Uh, Benny, we're always very appreciative of you and the work you uh, do for us, both you know on camera and behind the scenes. So um, we'll allow you to take yourself out of the show now, um, and uh, we'll continue on. Uh, thanks, I thought you were going to say on and off the pitch. Oh, I, I would have agreed. I got, yeah, I got I got close to saying that probably, but I'm actually impressed I didn't say that to, to be fully honest with you. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about uh, the next match uh, over the weekend, and that is Halifax, um, their final home game of the season of the 2022 season, taking on the league leaders Atletico Ottawa. And this is actually, I think, the third free kick that uh, Ottawa had from this exact same position. And Max so you know, third time's the charm. He scores an absolute uh, beauty here if you're watching on the webcast. And, uh, oh, they skipped it there. He does the Cristiano Ronaldo situation. I really wanted to, to yell that into the mic and, and just absolutely obliterate anyone who's listening to it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that. yeah, me, me too, to be honest. Um, but, you know, a great goal there. And um, I think that this was a match for me, at least, where Atletico continued to show um, some progress as a side. Uh, they obviously, you know, they gave away a few chances um, in the early going, but, you know, it, their goals didn't really come fully in transition. They were in moments that they built up themselves against, you know, a Halifax side that I think had four clean sheets and six coming into this match and are so difficult to break down defensively. They were able to, you know, they knew how difficult, to, even without Ramper sat in the lineup for Halifax, how difficult it is to break Halifax down through the middle. So they really pushed their play out to the wings, had their guys go close together, built triangles nicely, um, and it worked out for them well. Um, you know, they obviously have plenty of quality wide players, and then they were able to to find some nice combinations in those positions. And uh, again, without Baloo Tabla as well, another guy, um, you know, who was missing for them. So an impressive performance. And uh, again, one that uh, I think shows the evolution. And uh, another thing, able to hold on late. We talked about a Valor side that, you know, maybe has let some results slip. Um, Ottawa's done largely the opposite for a lot of this year. They've yeah. really been able to hold on um, even in some, some, you know, difficult circumstances where, you know, Halifax really had all kinds of chances late, but some big saves from Nate Ingham, some good, you know, last ditch efforts and they get uh, the three points. Yeah, they did. And they, they deserved them as they often have this year. And there's obviously a reason that they're in pole position for that regular season title. Uh, and you know, also the other thing we get to stop talking about soon is that they are very close to hitting their under 21 minutes. They need like mm -hmm. six or 27 this Sunday against York, which shouldn't be a problem, especially with that, with how well Zachariah Bahus has been playing and played in this game, uh, scoring obviously a goal and, and well-deserving of that. But yeah, I, I think it was important that you mentioned the way that they look to play in the wide areas and maybe break down a, a quite defensive at times Halifax team. Uh, Miguel Acosta, one of the best kind of, right center back, right fullbacks in the whole CPL and, you know, on both sides of the ball and the cross he sends in for that goal is, is exceptional. You know, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of players in this league that can make a, a play like that. Right. Uh, but this Ottawa team, they do continuously, they, they, they just are very consistent, right? They rarely get run over. You know, if the other team has the ball, it's often because they want them to, you know, th sometimes they are fine or happy to, at least in phases or stretches of a game, they can, maybe absorb some pressure and look for a counterattack. That's a little easier when you've got Baloo Tabla in the game, <laughs> obviously. But uh, in, in general, I think there's a lot to like about this Ottawa team who seem set up quite well for those playoff matches where the margins are going to be very tight and you know mistakes can be punished very quickly. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Bahus because, you know, he's the kind of player and the example of why this rule exists because, yeah. you know, if he doesn't get the, the minutes that he's had this season, I don't think, like, he's developed at a significant rate this season. But, at, you know, at the start of the year, he was good. He, you know, was a solid player, but very raw. And I think we've we've seen a player that's really developed before our eyes. And in the last couple of matches, you know, he's had some exceptional moments. Uh, I think of him scything through cavalry and almost scoring, you know, uh, obviously, Blue scored probably the goal of the season earlier in that game, but he would have had a candidate as well. Um, you know, shortly thereafter, scores in this game has had some really nice assists as well. I think his his close touch has been a lot better. So, you know, it's a it's a great example of of why this rule exists. Zach Waugh as well, you know, has been put into the lineup probably because of this rule over the last little bit, and we've seen some great development from him as well. He was excellent in this match and was one of those players who was able to really combine well with Acosta and Ollie Bassett out on that. Uh, right side and cause all sorts of issues for Halifax out there. So um, again, this rule is for a reason. And I think, uh, I think that Bahus is a great example of, of why. Yeah, I agree. And I think this has kind of been calculated over the season by Carlos Gonzalez to slowly work, especially Bahus to slowly work him into this lineup. Cause obviously they're a team that has been trying to establish a tactical identity in a very, very thorough sort of philosophy in the way that they play. And with a younger player like Bahus, who maybe hasn't, hasn't been in a lot of these kinds of professional environments, it's going to take him longer to get up to speed and to, to get to a place where Gonzalez is comfortable putting him into that lineup in games that they're trying to win, obviously. So it seems like, you know, as, as the weeks and months have progressed, he's given him a little bit more leash. He's given him more opportunities. And now he's certainly a player that you're comfortable putting into a lineup on this side, whether you, you want to say that you had to put him in or not. Uh, he's he's a player that obviously Gonzalez does trust now uh, because we've seen his evolution. We've seen how much better he is and, and how he is able to to be a part of that tactical identity. That's obviously a huge part of why they are where they are this season. Yeah, great points. Um, and a lot of points for Atletico Ottawa this season, especially <laughs> on the road. That was a tough transition, but we'll take it. Right. I'll give you that one. Okay. <laughs> they uh they broke the uh, league record for most points in or on the road um in a regular season this past year with uh twenty eight points, uh, eight wins, which also ties the ties the league record. Calvary had both of those records previously. They had they did that in both twenty nineteen um, and twenty twenty one. So. Uh, a great year for for Atletico Ottawa, and let's hear from Carlos Gonzalez on his thoughts um, on doing that. We are having moments in which we are we are suffering, or, or maybe we are not in our in our best version. But still, the team is competing so so good, and and uh, and we are able to continue winning the three points. I think that the the season that the that the guys are doing, the team is doing, is remarkable. Uh, I'm very proud of of the competitiveness of of. Of, that we've created and the and the mentality that all the players have, uh, they show every single game, every single action that they are ambitious and that they are they are still hungry. Yeah, and um, you know, on the Halifax side of things, um, in some ways, the exact opposite. You know, whereas um, whereas you know Ottawa's been excellent on the road this season, Halifax has really struggled at home um, or had really yeah. struggled at home. Obviously, they're done their their home part of the season now I think it's six losses this year which is tied for for the league worst with York United and FC Edmonton at home which you know is more than they had in their entire history before this was four coming into this season Charlie that's got to be one of the things that they fix you know 
almost immediately because they do have that advantage of playing one such a such a difficult travel date because you have to get out to Halifax. You know, it's it's an excellent pitch where um, they have one of, if not the best crowd in the league. It, it really, if you're trying to build an identity with the Halifax side, it has to start, you'd think, at the, at the Wanderers ground. Yeah, I think so. I, and I think they'll be the first ones to say that it's been really disappointing for them at home this year, right? Especially the last few years, you know, I think back to 2019 when they were almost unbeatable at home. I think only only Forge might have been the ones who were able to beat them uh, at Wanderers grounds in that season. Uh, but this year just hasn't been there. You know, there's been a lot of things missing with this club. Uh, kind of that, that quality in the final third hasn't been there this year, but in general, they've been conceding a little softly at times at home this year. They've been allowing some late goals. They haven't started particularly well in a lot of games. So it is. there's been maybe even minor mistakes that have cost them a lot of points on that pitch this season, which is historically uncharacteristic of this club, but uh, certainly something that, that that organization isn't going to be happy with. And, and that you're right, it's going to be one of the, the first things that they talk about, one of the main themes of this offseason for them is making sure that they can turn that stadium back into the fortress that it once was. Yeah, and one of the reasons uh, they were unable to pick up uh, any points during the during the match um, this weekend, our guest this weekend, let's hear from Stephen Hart on his thoughts on how Nate Ingham um, denied his side. I was a little disappointed uh, in how we conceded the first goal. Uh, because Tussauds served one in with the first free kick he hit and we should have been better prepared for that. Um, but, you know, overall, uh, I thought the second half response was positive. Uh, we created <laughs> we created a number of chances and, uh, you know, you have to congratulate uh, Ingham. He was fantastic in goal for them. He, you know, it could have been could have been easy to to let us back into the game, but he was uh, he was outstanding, and uh, that's what you need to to win matches. And uh, he certainly did it for them. Well, let's bring on uh, the Atletico Ottawa goalkeeper, uh, Nate Ingham, joining the show now. How are you doing, Nate? Good, good, doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, one final game this season against York United and you guys could do it. You could go full worst to first this this season. Um, what does that mean to you and the, just the incredible story you guys have been writing uh, up there in the nation's capital? Yeah, it's fantastic. First, uh, I, that's the first time I just saw that quote from from Hardy and uh, I was just, just want to say thanks to him. I, I got a lot of respect for him. I think he's a great coach. It was, that was cool to hear. Hmm. um first worst yeah. yeah 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 that's fantastic um other way around <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um no no it's gonna be good uh we we've had um a lot of success this year it's been uh it's been a grind you know um a lot of our games we've we've had to earn uh you know we haven't walked into a place and and dominated and, you know, had a, had a day where the back line and, and myself have been able to play a stress-free football, but that's the professional game. You know, those don't come around really. Um, but you know, there's one game left and, uh, and we just got to get the job done against York. So, uh, still, still ways to go. Yeah. You, you mentioned that back line, Nate, and just the work that this team has done, maybe especially on the training pitch to be so defensively sound this year to be so organized 
uh, especially some of those defenders you're you're playing behind Espejo, Drew Becky, Miguel Acosta. What's it like for you as a goalkeeper with those guys in front of you, just doing such a good job of of make, you know making sure that that you're able to do your job? Yeah, they've been great. Um, one of our our pillars from the beginning of the year, beginning of preseason, was talking about how um, you know the the strikers are who are who start our defend um, defensive work, and and I'm who start uh, who starts the attack. Um, so it's just like, it's a full team effort. It really is. And, and if you watch us play at all, you know, that it's 11 guys defending. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been talking very highly of Diego and the boys in the past. Um, I think a, a huge compliments have to go to Drew and Miguel, uh, playing on those, uh, the outsides of the three in the back. Um, it's, it is a more difficult job. They're, do, they're covering more ground. Um, they're asked to do a bit more with their feet. Um, and then that's been able to leave Diego in the middle and, and win balls in the air and kind of, um, you know, do his job. So we haven't we haven't put too much workload on the middle of the park and everyone's kind of helping each other out. It's uh, it's a, it's a fully bought in group. And um, I think it's obvious from our results and where we're at in the table. Uh, you, you know, you can't get there unless you're a cohesive group. Another part of that group and, and something that Stephen Hart also mentioned after the match, and I think you yourself, Nate, have mentioned this on a few times, is, you know, there's a lot of ink that's been spilled about maybe some of the flashier players that have come in this offseason, your Ollie Bassett, your Blue Tablas, but Ottawa also brought in a lot of experienced kind of Canadian players, and that's sort of been a core of the side between yourself. You know, you got Max Tissot there, you got Drew, um, among others. Uh, how important has that been, you guys who know you know not only the north american game but the league as well yeah it's literally the most important thing i've uh, i've preached about it all year long um mckendry and haworth are two other guys and mm-hmm. um even blue like you talk about him being a flashy guy and i know he's still young but he's an experienced canadian guy right he's got national team caps he's been across the pond he came back was in mls like we have a lot of guys that played mls games who played important usl and nasl games and have won championships and been to playoffs and you know, um, these are the type of things that allow you to win these tight games. And uh, listen, our last five games have been in five different time zones. Uh, we've been on the road a ton. Um, you know, the, you can't even grab groceries midweek because, you know, you're back on the road. Um, no one knows how to handle that unless you've done it. And uh, we've got a lot of guys who have done it. And our travel in the NASL, like I was playing for Edmonton in 2016, 17, 18, I believe. Uh, somewhere in there and you're doing road trips from Edmonton to Puerto Rico or Edmonton to Miami or San Francisco or wherever you can't replicate that travel. It's a nightmare. And um, yeah, we went from Pacific back and Calgary back and then, yeah, it's just, yeah. You want experience doing those trips because those young boys, they get a little cranky when they don't get their sleep and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, tension starts to get the better of people. Um, but we stuck together through this whole thing and went undefeated all the way through it and, and picked up some big W's away um that's speaking to the experience yeah it certainly does you know there's, there's a lot of a lot of love in the chat here from some atletico auto fans uh for the team and, and for yourself as well nate um yeah, good, people. Uh, good people the fans hey they absolutely <laughs> are um and I'll, I'll take a question here from arthur who's asking if you can talk maybe a bit about the mentality of this team because you guys have suffered some bigger defeats this year you know the 6-1 the 4-0 but you've always kind of managed to bounce back and you're at the top of the table for a reason so can you maybe speak a little bit about what that culture you guys have established is like. Yeah, I mean, Mourinho's got this great quote, I'd, I'd rather lose 4 nothing than four games, one nothing." Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's three points. Like, it, it's obviously different, you know, losing 6-1 and losing one nothing in a tight game. Like, those, are, they're different, but 
the reality is you got zero points and you had the possibility of getting three points. You can look at it either way. And if you get all sad about it and you, you can let it snowball into something bigger than it is, it's a huge mistake, right? Um, as a goalkeeper, uh, you know, something you have to have to be able to do is forget about things quickly. Um, whether it's a mistake in the 10th minute or if it's a b- bad loss, you know, and then you look around and when we were in Spain, uh, Barca beat Madrid 5-1 or something. And I think the day we lost 6-1 to Valor, I came home and uh, TFC in New York were playing. Um, and it was like a 5-4 or something ridiculous. And, and Sean Johnson, you know, like a top goalkeeper yeah. in MLS, you're just like, oh, he let in five, I let in six, it happens. Um, Craig Forrest actually uh, reached out to me, you know, and said, yeah, keep your head up. It's not nine, don't worry. Like, you know, like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Sort of, Craig's uh, like, you got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I made a joke to my former coach. Jimmy Jimmy reached out to me and was like, hey, keep your head up, keep blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I was just trying to beat Craig's record. And then <laughs> sure enough, the next day, Forrest sent me a message and goes, hey, buddy, watch it. <laughs> um, so it is what it is. And you have experienced guys and, and um, you know, uh, this is one of my favorite parts of maybe this will speak to the or answer the question a bit better. It was miserable, right? You go home and you feel sorry for yourself for a bit. And we come back the next morning and we know we're going to get an earful from our coach. And we're kind of saying good morning. And uh, Sissoko who's had a, you know, unbelievable career. It sits in the locker room and everyone's, you know, good morning, handshake, handshake. And CISO and I look at each other and we just start laughing. We're like, what happened yesterday? And that's all you can do. You go, geez, back to the drawing board. And that's how we handle things. Like, oh, everything. And if you look at that Valor game, everything that hit went in, you know, uh, yeah. Levi's good player in on his right foot, his non-dominant foot whips one in the top bins post. And you're like, <laughs> kidding me. You know, like that's how the day went. Um, it's that that's football. So you can't dwell on it too much. And if you play that game again, it's never six, one again, you know, it's just, you can't take it too seriously. You just got to move on. And you, you know, again, that, that experience in the locker room, you just got to grow up and move on. And obviously, um, another big change this this year the the appointment of Carlos Gonzalez. Um, you know, what has it been about him as a coach that um, you know has really helped transition this side into what it is uh, at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I've said it a number of times. Um, you know, from the top, from Fernando putting putting the staff in place and bringing in the players, and then what Carlos has done with that group. Um, you know, it's been uh, it's been incredible. Um, I, I signed on a two-year deal. I think most of the guys that came in signed on a, either a two plus one or two and whatever, three-year deal. Um, so it was always going to be a two-year, three-year project. But the thing with us was it was never um, – like our goal wasn't to win the league in two years. Our goal was to be one of the best teams, if not the best team in Canada, in two to three years. So when you have goals that high and then in your first year you have the ability to win the league – if that makes sense. So it was never like our goal isn't just, okay, we're going to come in, we're going to try and win the league. Like, no, our goal is to win the league, win the playoffs, go to champions league, win the can champ. Like we have these massive goals. And when I spoke to Fernando, um, you know, that we both agreed, you know, like this is what the team's trying to do. I want to be a part of that. Great. And I know for sure when he brought in Carlos, those are the same conversations they were having. And again, I've said this a number of times, but the amount of work Carlos and his staff put in, like they demand a lot from us tactically, mentally, physically, 
but uh, uh, he leads by example. He does more work than any of us, and uh, I don't know how much he sleeps, but <laughs> oh, I don't know if it's enough. I think he's gonna have. Hopefully, we can we can get the job done, and he can enjoy the off season. Take a take a week or two before he gets back to it. But I know him; he will uh, probably not take the time off. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we will all like to do that in the off season. Um, but before we can get there, uh, obviously you guys, as you mentioned right there, have a lot of ambition over these next few weeks. Uh, you know, you have a, a chance to win the regular season title on Sunday, and then you go right into the playoffs. And you're obviously hoping to lift another trophy, lift a trophy on home turf in Ottawa in the final, right? Uh, what would it mean to you guys to be able to do that? To be able to you know, win, win trophies for Ottawa, do so at home and, and to, you know, complete that or at least complete a step towards that ambition that you guys, you were just talking about there. Yeah, it's massive. I mean, um, nice. in the huddle before our last match. Yeah. For the fans. Um, <laughs> no, in the huddle before our last match, I told the boys, every single team would kill to be in our situation right now. We're away to Halifax who had just been knocked out of playoffs and we're home to York and these other boys have to go play each other and they're on the road and um, Forge and Pacific both had three games left. They had to win out. Um, you know, like we, we had done the work early enough to put ourselves in a very good position. And then we did it again against Halifax to put ourselves in the best. Again, everyone in the league is envious of where we are right now because we have to go home and win one more game. And no matter what anyone else does, we've won the league. Um, so I think we owe it to ourselves is what I've said to the group and, and everyone agrees we owe it to ourselves to see it out. We put in too much work in preseason and through this year to uh, to not finish the job at this point. And then it'll be a hard reset after that game and, um, you know, reestablish the mindset for playoffs. But it really has to be that that one at a time thing and and not worry about, uh, you know, where we're heading and who's who we're playing and who we'd rather play. And everyone's got their own opinion on that and blah, blah, blah. So throw all that out the window. Um, yeah. Home, home this weekend in front of the best fans in the league, uh, get the job done, and, and we get our first bit of silverware in the CPL for Ottawa, and uh, we get to share that with the fans. That would be very, very special. And, um, you know, it, it's it's why we play the game, like, for these exact moments. So, uh, yeah, I'm hoping to enjoy it as much as I can. Yeah, well, Nate, we've really enjoyed uh, having you on the show this week. Uh, a massive thank you for <laughs> joining us. And, um, yeah, yeah, best of luck with the, the rest of the season. Thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we talk again after the season and we're all in a good mood. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Take care, guys. You're trying to make like drink plans with Nate there? <laughs> <laughs> no, they got a game to play, man. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, games being played, obviously, um, Forge, you know, they wanted some serious revenge, I think, for the way things happened the last time York United came to uh, their home stadium in the 905 Derby. Um, obviously with Mo Babuli coming in and scoring, he wasn't available this time. And Forge, they're able to book their ticket um, to the 2022 Canadian Premier League playoffs uh, on their own terms with a 2-0 victory. Charlie, you were there. Your thoughts on this match? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a bit of a strange one. Again, obviously, as you mentioned very important to forge to avenge that loss last time york came to tim horton's field uh, i think that was as most of them would say that was probably the worst game that they've played in a cpl this year uh bobby smirniotis was very very angry 
about their performance in that one. And in this game, it was uh, it wasn't always you know a dominant performance. I think the first half, I, I probably would have thought York were the better team. I think they had a little more of the ball. They were pressing them back a little bit. Uh, Forge kind of had to soak up some pressure for a while, but they did so very well. Uh, they did, still didn't really give up a lot of high quality or, or super dangerous chances. So they were fairly comfortable being able to withstand that pressure. And then in the second half, they made a few tactical adjustments. Uh, I think Bobby had uh, had Tristan Borges kind of playing in that sort of right half space at times and sometimes trying to either either split between Isaiah Johnston or Jordan Wilson or sometimes trying to drag them apart and find other spaces and create for the teammates. And Forge just were much improved in that second half. But then both of their goals come from uh, set pieces that York didn't necessarily defend very well. The first one is uh, they're kind of pulled out of position with the the short corner routine. And the second one is just a, a clearance that Lewis Laurie Latanzio is definitely going to want back because it sets up very nicely for Abubakar Sissoko to wrap his foot around it and score with a very good strike, obviously. But again, Forge also rounding into better form as they head into the playoffs. They had some some tough moments. So for them to have a clean sheet, score two goals at home, and again, win a game that they really, really needed to to erase the sort of sour taste of that last time York was there, I think is all very important to them heading into those playoffs. Yeah, getting goals from from different places as well, um, including Malik Olabi Belu, who scored his first ever professional goal. Let's hear from him now. It's been a while since I've been with the squad, so um, going into the game, I was a little bit nervous. Spoke to my my mom back home, and she was saying, you know, imagine the feeling of of scoring a goal and how that makes you feel, and like use that to like motivate you in the game. And as cliched as it is. Uh, a goal came, so it was just like a great feeling. It was kind of like a full circle moment, I could say. But, but yeah, again, it's the first of many. I've been planning this in my head for a while. So when I got that opportunity and I finally settled in, I knew that okay, yeah, this is this is the celebration I wanted to do. Yeah, obviously a player who's been with them for for a short amount of time, but this year one of the themes has been you know those longer serving players. Your Alex Ashinoda Janssen, Kyle Becker. Um, oh, here we, now we got to go down the list, darn it. Um, Dom Samuel, <laughs> Tristan Henry, um, and then this weekend was David Schwanier. I didn't, I didn't miss anyone in there, did I? I wasn't listening, to be honest. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean that that that's probably been this whole show. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, and then Taryn Campbell could do so um, this this weekend, obviously, or tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, yes, on on Wednesday yeah. against his former side Pacific. Obviously, maybe not quite the same for for him because he hasn't spent uh, his entire time with the club the way all of the other aforementioned guys, uh, unless I missed one of them, have. <laughs> But uh, yeah, after the the match, Bobby Smirniotis had some great things to say about these players and just how impactful they've been on this Forge side. You know, with all of these guys, just tremendous. Eh? We're coming to the end of, uh, of four years. Uh, and this means that these guys have been here for four years battling for this club. Um, they've been through through everything, you know, through winning championships, through uh, being in difficult situations uh, in playing in CONCACAF away from home and pandemics. Um, Qualifying for for Champions League, losing in a final, uh, losing a heartbreaker in the Dominican Republic, 
uh, that I think made us better. But uh, if you look at uh, what these guys have done, who uh, I guess are part of this 100 uh, game club, they've been here right from the beginning and they've seen all the ups and the downs and a lot more ups. And these are the guys we lean on for all of these situations that we're coming forward to. So it's another uh, great achievement. David's been a fantastic player for us, not only in league play, but in CONCACAF and all CONCACAF uh, competitions. He's been an absolute uh, gem uh, playing there. And he's a, a very important player for us. You see his contributions today and his, his work on that right wing. He's, he's been fantastic. And, you know, uh, whether it's here or it keeps on going, I, I hope he has another 100 in front of him. Yeah, some some great words, obviously, um, on some players who have not just had a, a big impact uh, for for Forge, but um, you know, for the league as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> some great words. Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. No, you're yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> there were some words said. <laughs> Better ones than yours. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not. I don't know. Take this flack from you. Um, yeah, obviously on the the other side of things, uh, York United missing kind of the player who's been um, pretty central to their to their turnaround this you know over the past month, and the player who today was named um, as the Canadian Premier League's Player of the Month um, for September. That being Mobabuli, an excellent month, four goals, two assists. And um, like we said, he just really kind of transformed uh, York United the, the second he um, stepped on the field from them. So let's take a look at uh, Mo's best moments um, of the past, uh, you know, past few months. double um in york martin nash also um yeah. picking up the the manager of the month and i think interesting that six different um managers have picked up manager of the month i think just kind of shows you know in, in an eight team league that kind of shows just how much parity there is and just how many ups and downs there have been for multiple sides this year yeah it does and that wasn't on purpose it's not like we set out to to no. <laughs> give it to as many different people yeah. as possible uh, it's just genuinely been the case that each you know seven teams have had at least a, a moment in the season where they were playing some very good football and and certainly we're we're in that conversation and we're looking good um and obviously babuli as well unbelievable player he his absence on saturday against forge was probably a big part of the reason they lost and couldn't score in that first half uh, we're still not sure if he's going to be able to play this weekend in ottawa um it might be might be close but i uh, will keep our fingers crossed uh, but anyway, deserving for the two York men, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, 
you know, um, as we mentioned, some some real ups and downs for for clubs this season, and and one of the clubs that have certainly gone through that is Pacific FC. And let's bring on uh, our man out west, or our man on the streets. It sounds like Alex <laughs> Ruzik, um joining us. Uh, you know, yeah, on location it looks like here. Um, <laughs> talk about Pacific FC, um, and you know, obviously a, a big match for them. They were looking to to sew up their their playoff uh, spot. They, you know, obviously couldn't do it with a win. They needed the the help from Cavalry, but you know, wanted to put themselves in that position. And can't ask for a better start in this match, can you, AGR? Yeah, certainly. I mean, Pacific uh, been in good form as of late, as we've seen. Uh, racked up a couple of uh, victories. So them to come out strong Edmonton, it was kind of frustrating from Edmonton's standpoint. So you had to talk to them in the week. Alan Koch was like, Pacific's going to come out strong. It's their last home game. Obviously, we saw the the news of Jamar Dixon's uh, retirement. So it was a bit of an, a special moment there. Uh, also, it was a National Truth and Re- Reconciliation Day, a very powerful ceremony beforehand as well. Kind of gave a boost to the crowd, to the team. So they came flying out of the gates. Marco Bustos gets on the end of a header, nods at home, uh, doesn't get much better than that in front of the home fans. And then from there, uh, Pacific did what they needed to. It wasn't pretty, but they managed to kill out the game. Uh, the rest of the 90, Edmonton barely had a sniff. Pacific didn't, but when you're up one nothing at home, that's all you need. And in the end, that was enough for them to get in the playoffs, which uh, it was hairy for a few weeks there. But when the going got tough, Pacific stepped up, showing why they kind of have that championship caliber. And course the, the the return of Manny Aparicio who plays a central figure in that first goal can also not be understated yeah that's a, a kind of goal that Pacific have often scored with Manny Aparicio on the pitch maybe not necessarily headers from Marco Bustos usually but you know, that when he does is often the creator I think that the players that have been scoring for Pacific in the last two games especially obviously Bustos here and Josh Hurd and Gennaro Daniels in Halifax is very very good news for them because I, I, they're not, they're still not blowing teams away in attack as they maybe did earlier in the season. But for them to be able to get those top attacking players that they have with a little confidence under the belts and, and have them maybe break some scoring droughts and get this attack woken up, so to speak, that has to be good news for them, right, Alex? If you're still there or have gone yes, 100%. dark somewhere. <laughs> Sorry, uh, cut out there for a second. Connection isn't the best. Uh, I was actually at a great footies talks event tonight, hence my uh, location. But uh, no, in terms of Pacific's attack, it's good to see guys finding form. Gennaro Daniels is a big one just because he's kind of been tipped to be the guy to replace yeah. uh, Alejandro Diaz up front as a number nine. Hasn't maybe always taken his chances, but there today, uh, recently, he took some... <laughs> that comment is a good one, by the way. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, I'm not sh- shady at dealing stickers, but uh, maybe. Never know. But yes, Daniels, <laughs> just see him find his form. Uh, it's huge for Pacific, as well as Marco Bustos, because he's been good. He's had flashes, but goals have been hard to come by. Uh, in his best seasons, he's typically always you know, been, been in and around the goals. I think if you're heading in the playoffs, you see you've got an in-form Manny Aparicio, you've got an in-form Marco Bustos. Those are the two key pieces there. And then you know Josh Hurd's going to chip in with some, some plucky contributions. And if Gennaro Daniels is scoring on top of that, that's perfect. Yeah, this is a CPL uh, after dark show, and we got AGR in the dark here. It looks like, um, but uh, at any rate, another thing that uh, has been excellent for Pacific, and obviously is is big for them heading into the playoffs, is back to back clean sheets. I think for the first time um, this season. Obviously, how 
how important is that and and what have been the keys to um you know this defensive improvement because that's really been one of the the issues for them all year they've had moments where they've scored um they have some good offensive players but they've also conceded at you know at a pretty alarming rate for a side that is in the top four so um what has it been recently that's uh, helped them out well it's been a, over a while now really i think since they started the Concacaf league run over cpl play they've allowed something like nine goals in their last 14 games so it's been building for a while uh this sort of defensive uh strength and it just you know it's obviously it starts with the team a buy-in approach it's something james man preaches uh you know getting players all over the pitch to be involved defensively and then also just familiarity uh, Tom Amir really stepping up. Uh, Amir Didic, they're a really forming a good partnership. Uh, you know, after it took a while to maybe get used to not having Lucas McNaughton around, given that he was just such an everyman and he'd often clean up messes that that would be created. Now Amir Didic and Tom Amir really settled. The fullbacks alongside them are being settled, and it, it has done well because then they've made things really solid for Callum Irving in front of him, and Callum Irving's a good goalkeeper. So when he's got a set, settled defense in front of him, it kind of leads to this recipe where they've been on a really good defensive run, and I think that bodes well if you're looking at teams that will do well in the playoffs. Last year, Pacific got the title with uh, you know, a pair of tight wins where defense really won them that, and I think that's the sort of key that you want because it, you know, it's cliche to say that goals will drop in the playoffs because there always will be a team that scores goals, but teams that defend well tend to do better in the playoffs, and I think that's great news if you're Pacific to see how much they've grown in that regard. Yeah, and Pacific are also going to get a playoff home game, which – um, they haven't before, so that is uh, that is pretty important. We don't know what it will look like, but uh, but obviously they'll they'll get at least one. So um, that is exciting, and we've seen some big matches at uh, Starlight Stadium and the boost that crowd gives them. So um, let's uh, hear from James Merriman on what it meant for them this weekend. Our support here and our fans, um, they give us an extra lift. You know, they're our twelfth man, and it continues to grow. You can hear them; they're getting louder and louder. Uh, with our team at times where we're low they pick us up and we love playing here and and we have we have great support and we want to continue to grow that and grow that relationship and the way that everybody showed up today as well for um, the orange shirt day and to honor that was uh, yeah it was a really incredible night yeah no, uh, maybe more of a frustrating night if you're your FC Edmonton um what did you make of of their performance and obviously like you said they, you know a match where they really weren't able to get anything going offensively yeah that was a surprising thing because Edmonton recently have found some good form offensively they've kind of uh you know settled in their patterns we'd seen some improvements from CJ Smith obviously Mamadi Kamara has been very solid ever since put, being put in the number nine you know what Gabe Batar has been doing from deeper positions etc but yeah, the offense really dried up, which was a bit, you know, again, credit has to be given to Pacific, who are so solid defensively, hardly gave them any uh, chances. But I guess on the flip side, what was nice was that Edmonton was so solid defensively, uh, you know, which again, when it's an, a young group, you're on the road, you go down one goal to a Pacific team that tends to, to kind of catch fire with a bunch of early goals uh, to, to go and keep it one nothing. Uh, I thought that was very good defensively from Edmonton on the flip side. So it's kind of frustrating because it feels like in a lot of recent games, they found the offense, but maybe at cost of the defense. They've had some high goal thrillers or they, you know, had some very entertaining slug fests, say, like the one against Forge, whereas despite being 1-1, it was really back and forth. And then in this game, they defended so well, but that early goal kind of sunk them because cause they couldn't really get anything going, uh, going forward in terms of their movement, in terms of their shots, in terms of their execution. It just all looked a bit off. Well, let's hear from FC Edmonton head coach Alan Koch on his thoughts on the match. 
I'm very frustrated, uh, to be honest. Our team's incredibly frustrated. Um, we knew uh, Pacific would come flying out of the gates. It was a big game, a uh, big occasion. You knew they were going to be energized uh, after the game they won the other day and with their fans behind them tonight. Uh, and we knew it. And we didn't respond in a positive way. Um, so, incredibly frustrating game uh, in terms of not managing that moment well. And then lots of other moments that uh, didn't go our way. And there was an accumulation of them, uh, unfortunately. And we leave that tonight very, very frustrated. Well, AGR, thank you so much uh, for joining us. We'll we'll let you go. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, enjoy the, the last week of the Canadian Premier League. Pleasure as always, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. And yeah, speaking of the, the last week, one more week uh, reg of the regular season to get your uh, predictions in on the CPL Predictor app. So um, yeah, let's let's take a look at the schedule now. We'll start here with uh, a Wednesday matchup in, in the Canadian Premier League and a very, very big one. Um, that being Forge FC versus Pacific. Obviously, a game that could loom large in the regular season title race, a game that will loom large regardless in um, the final standings in the, of the top four. Uh, Charlie, your, your thoughts on this game and, and one that uh, obviously will have Pacific looking for revenge after uh, a pretty handily, you know, a pretty big loss last time they are there. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to be at this one at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, last time, again, last time Pacific went there, Forge uh, were pretty dominant, kind of beat them up a little bit in that game, and Pacific were very, very frustrated after it. Uh, I think I'm excited to see two teams kind of going head-to-head, -head playing some just out-and-out -out attacking football against one another, uh, which is always fun. And I'm just interested to see how these, like, which players for these teams are stepping up at this point in the season very late as we mentioned before both these teams still technically alive for first place and and although that will maybe require some help from atletico ottawa uh, mm -hmm. both these teams can still get themselves into second place which would be similar similarly helpful in the playoffs uh to be able to host that second leg of the semi-final and then you know in possibly a final if uh if whoever's in first doesn't win their semi. So uh, there is a lot on the line still in this game for both teams. Yeah, a lot on the, on the line that game and a lot on the line the weekend as well as we have a pair of awesome double headers. Uh, Valor there at FC Edmonton on Saturday and then another big game for Pacific. They're really going to be battle-tested heading into the playoffs as they uh, head to Spruce Meadows to, to take on Cavalry. And then uh, on Sunday... Uh, Halifax, they are in Hamilton to take on Forge. And then the season finale, as we talked about uh, throughout the show, that being Atletico Ottawa hosting York United. If Atletico Ottawa win, they are your regular season champions. Um, and let's look at the standings then, uh, as things uh, are right now in the Canadian Premier League. And, um, you know, the, the top four, bottom four, they're decided, but... Um, there's still a lot to play for, as we've said, Charlie. And one mm -hmm. one note uh, that isn't mentioned in this uh, standings is that wins is the tiebreaker if two sides um, end tied on points. But, uh, you know, at this point, I think everyone is tied on wins anyway. So um, ultimately, it does look like it will come down to goal difference. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, Forge and Pacific do have an extra game in here. Uh, Forge mm -hmm. are on 13 wins as, as, as are Atletico Ottawa. So if forge do you know get up to 14 15 wins and they might be in good shape 
but uh, otherwise, yeah, Forge's goal differential is pretty crazy and says a lot about some of the games they've been able to win this year, I think. Yeah, it certainly does. And um, as we said, you know, a, a lot to play for in this final week of the Canadian Premier League, as much as, you know, you would have sort of hoped from a neutral standpoint that there'd be uh, playoff implications on the line. It's it's still going to be a fun weekend. And I think there's still uh, a lot to learn about to all these sides. And like you said, which kind of players are stepping up this kind of year, a, a number of other things. So I'm very excited, uh, certainly for the fi- finale weekend in the Canadian Premier League. I had a tough time getting that word out. Um, I think that might be a sign that we should wrap up the show <laughs> yeah, here. I think but, so. Yeah, we, stopped, we stopped being able to say words at some point along the way here. Um, but a huge thank you to Nate Ingham for, for joining us tonight. Uh, thank you to Alex Gongay-Ruzik as well. Uh, Benedict Rhodes, of course, for all he does behind the scenes. Yourself, Charlie. Uh, the whole newsroom team. Um, I've been Mitchell Tierney. Thank you so much for watching, listening, uh, interacting. We had some great questions for Nate. Not all of them we could uh, we could read on the show, but some were funny that we definitely uh, were chuckling at. And uh, yeah, like we said, one final week left in the, the 2022 Canadian Premier League. So as always, head over to canpl.ca for all of your coverage. But before we go, still time to vote on the Canadian Premier League's goal of the month for September. Um, so head over to our Twitter page and do that. We'll leave you now with the nominees. Bustos leaves, so Didich goes again, and it's in! Amir Didich from the set-piece! Second time's the charm as that strike takes a deflection off the wall and does the beats. Leading up. The man most likely to will swing this in from the right-hand side. It's a good one. Oh, it's fantastic. It's absolutely magnificent. It's Hollywood, and my goodness, is he box office or what? And suddenly you can hear a pin drop inside IG Field. Saar. Gutierrez against the Gambia. Saar, left foot in this time. Oh my goodness, he's done it again. Christian Saar, he doesn't score tappings. He scores spectacular goals from way out. Has given York United the lead. Although to be fair, the Cavs supporters they did a great job making a three-hour trek to the provincial capital to see the final of the season. Look at this from Ottawa! Are you kidding me, Blue Tabla? What a finish that was!